And I feel that, that in, in the Indian sports community, most people uh, are genuinely happy about the sportive success of their peers. And you celebrate that, you know, liberally, even if it's not a huge success, I mean, you know. Right. But, but, but you, you give that energy and you give that support, you give that love. Uh, and in many other cultures, including my own, uh, it doesn't always happen that naturally. The fascinating thing, to me at least, uh, in long distance racing, is that, uh, that it will never go according to plan. There will always be some, some expected that, that happens to you, and therefore you have to be mentally truly prepared to deal with those challenges that, that pop up, you know. And typically is that uh, one body function after another will start to, to go for a toss, yeah. and that's when the mental game starts. So what, what I, I like to say is that, that the long distance Ironman racing gives you the unique opportunity to look straight into the eyes of the person who you really are. So when you go into a race, you know, you feel strong like a, like a King Kong. And then the further the race progresses, the smaller you become. And in the end, you're just a small midget that is scrambling for help. And that's when you have to take mental control and bring that negative dialogue that, that will happen to a positive one to actually bring you to the, to the finishing line. I am Baiki Winky and this is the Working Athlete Podcast. Here I talk to working athletes from all walks of life and experts from various sports to provide you with inspiration, training tips, time management and lifestyle advice. If this is something that interests you, please make sure you subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss any future episodes. Today's guest, Pablo Irat, is a Swiss entrepreneur and an age group winner of many Ironman 70.3 races around the world. He has a special place for Goa in his heart as he has been a regular in the Goa triathlon scene from its infancy. He has seen it grow from grassroots level events about 10 years ago till now where Goa is hosting an official Ironman event. In this episode, we talk about Pablo's endurance journey of racing and winning around the world along with the development of triathlon in India and in Goa in particular. It was fascinating to hear his views on various topics related to triathlon including the ingenious way he manages a serious injury that threatened to put an end to his racing career. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you do too. Now let us get started. Hi Pablo, welcome to the Working Athlete Podcast. It's a pleasure having you on the show. It's my big pleasure, Venki. It is uh, right now we are uh, sitting in uh, Goa, right after uh, Ironman uh, 70.3, um, Goa 70.3 where uh, you did uh, really well, uh, I thought. Uh, so, and of course you won your uh, age category and uh, finished third overall. Um, In the latest official results, it's yeah. a position that's uh, as third. Okay. As far as I go, it's, it's six, but that, that's another, okay. another topic. Sixth overall, we'd say. Yeah. And um, yeah, so let us, uh, before we, and first of all, congrats for that. Thank you. Uh, before we get into that, I want to, you know, take you back a little bit and talk about, you know, how was uh, your uh, childhood with sport in mm -hmm. relation to, mm -hmm. to sport and then how did you get started and all that. Okay. Yeah. How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, I'll try to make it sort of, you know, a little bit compressed and a, and a right. short version. Yeah. But it's, it's maybe interesting to... To understand that, um, uh, to understand also where we are today, right? So when I when I was a teenager, I was into track and field uh, during the summer, and uh, and in the winter I did alpine skiing, mm -hmm. and uh, and my big dream was to participate at the Olympics one day. And my specialty was 110 hurdles, so sprinting actually, and not uh, endurance sport. Now that dream never materialized. 
And one of the reasons, in addition to me not being that talented, but uh, one of the reasons was that I loved competing, but I did not love training as much. Right? So, so um, maybe at the age of uh, 16 or 17, I, I refocused uh, very much on my studies and then uh, uh, on starting to build my own businesses. I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. And, uh, and at the age of 35, maybe, I uh, had a moment of realization uh, that uh, I should start to, uh, to reignite my passion for sports again because I was uh, overweight and I was uh, living a very unhealthy uh, lifestyle. So what I did was I, I uh, registered for uh, the marathon in New York and I gave myself uh, 10 months to prepare. And in the beginning, I could not even run five kilometers without taking a break. And then, you know, I jogged uh, four or five times a week and, uh, and went to, uh, to New York and uh, had an absolutely fantastic day. Not in terms of, you know, timing and all of that. I suffered a lot during the last 10K, but it was the first time since a long, since my, my teenage years that I felt completely connected to my body again. And I just felt that strong passion and, uh, and I understood that at that age, uh, endurance sports would be my future. And when I crossed the finishing line uh, in New York, I think in three hours and, th and 33 minutes, something like that, mm -hmm. after a really hard struggle, I, uh, I formulated the vision and the goal to myself uh, to do an Ironman within the next 12 months wow. and, uh, and also to qualify for Hawaii, wow. which was a little bit crazy. Right. But, you know, fast forward, uh, 12 months later, uh, I, I stood at the starting line in Florida for the full Ironman and, uh, and I actually managed to qualify for Hawaii in a time of 9.24, I think. 9.24 for a first full Ironman. That's correct. And uh, this is like uh, going from uh, uh, being sedentary mm. at 35. Mm to, you know, full tilt, almost a great time, uh, you know, sub 10 is considered really good mm -hmm. times, right? Uh, uh, within what, uh, less than a couple of years? Uh, this was within 12 months. So yeah, or if you, if you, if you, no, no, if, if you include my preparation for, for the, for marathon, which, which you should, right. uh, it's less than two years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and I think that, the, you know, I don't, uh, consider myself to, to be particularly talented mm. uh, in, in long distance endurance sports. Uh, but the magic really comes from consistency and, uh, and putting your mind to it and, uh, and developing a little bit the single-minded focus. I don't have, I'm not as single-minded today anymore. There are much, many things that are much more important, but back then it was truly important. I wanted to achieve that, that goal of qualifying for Hawaii. So I did everything needed on the side, of course, of my work hmm. uh, to make that happen. Right. So, uh, take us a little bit into that uh, road to your first Ironman mm -hmm. uh, so that, you know, the listeners can get a feel of what kind of preparation went to it. Obviously, you might have done, uh, you know, some smaller races mm -hmm. as a preparation. Mm -hmm. How did that go? It, it's, it's good that you bring that up because, uh, uh, of course, as a part of that plan, you don't go to an Ironman race without having done a triathlon before. So, so right. I did a local race in Switzerland uh, about 10 months, you know, leading up to, uh, to Florida. And this was still in the autumn. And um, I came out of the water in, uh, in the sixth position and thought I was rocking and reminding you that there were 78 participants in that race. And then uh, I jumped on the bike and I thought I would rock it on the bike and I did definitely not. I really sucked on the bike. So I ended the bike ride in uh, position 73. So I dropped back from 6 to 73 and I could hardly get over one of the big hills uh, there. And then I ran my way up to, uh, to, to position 25. But that really impacted me because I realized uh, that you really have to work hard for it on one, on one side. And also I never thought that I would be so bad on the bike. I thought it's something natural that anybody, you know, no, no, knows how to do. And that was a key moment because I said, you know, you will not be able to, to achieve anything in an Ironman if you're not strong on the bike. It's just a fact. It's the longest, you know, it's part the longest, of, the, of, yeah, of, the, of the race. Yeah. 
So I did something not very intelligent, but very effective. And, uh, and that was that I, in order not to be humiliated like that again, I spent two hours at least every evening on the turbo trainer. And yeah. it was actually a turbo trainer back then, you know, this is like 17 years. We had a spinning bike, uh -huh. uh, a used one that I had bought from a fitness center. Right. And, uh, and so two hours every evening. And in the beginning, I was just spinning lightly. And then I was putting more and more resistance to it. And, uh, and after that one winter, you know, maybe six months of uh, just spending my time on the spinning bike, I was top 5% in, in bicycle riding in my age group. And my legs have had developed all these muscles and I was really having a lot, lot of fun with it. I hardly knew how to, to, to ride a bike, right? Because I've always been Got on it. that stationary bike. Right. But then I understood uh, bicycle riding requires really hard work. It requires you to be willing to go into that, that, uh, that zone of pain and, uh, and just, do the, just do the work, you know, and, uh, and I think uh, almost anybody can, can do that, but it's, uh, it, it requires a lot of determination and also doing some very particular uh, training units, which I've fig figured out for myself to be very, very uh, right. effective. Almost everyone has the ability to suffer, but maybe not the willingness to suffer, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. That's where, mm -hmm. uh, that's what di uh, differentiates uh, the, uh, uh, you know, the pros and the, mm -hmm. uh, are the who get really good at it mm -hmm. or who don't, mm -hmm. I would think, right? Uh, but then, um, so you said you, um, from that first Ironman, that local race that you did, where you felt like humiliated because you could not get on the hill. Uh, there, you leading up to your first Ironman, you worked on the turbo trainer to get mm -hmm. better on the bike. Mm -hmm. And how did the race itself go for your first uh, Ironman? Did did uh, you uh, you know do much better on the bike and stuff? Yeah. <clears throat> so it was interesting because. Um, and I was part of a triathlon club mm -hmm. and there were a lot of athletes, obviously, that were much more senior than me. Right. And one of the guys uh, who was maybe five years older <coughs> than me, uh, he uh, also uh, participated in Florida and had the ambition to, uh, to qualify for Hawaii in, in one age group uh, above me. So he was a little bit like my mentor, my mentor and my coach and I looked, looked up to him. And I also trained together with him in, in preparing for, for Florida. Uh, so I will come, come, uh, come, come back to that. But uh, if you look at the race day, uh, I wasn't particularly nervous. I have to say I was just extremely excited. And I, I th told myself that probably if everything goes well, I can do sub uh, 10 hours. And if I'm a little bit lucky, that, that might give me a, you know, a slot. And, uh, and then something on race morning happened. You know, it's, it's typical uh, uh, rookie. Uh, Murphy's Law kind of situation, my wetsuit tripped just prior to start. So I had a big hole here on my side. Wow. <laughs> so what did I do? I ran up to the, to the exhibition and I went to, to one of those uh, wetsuit uh, vendors and said, please, please give me a wetsuit. I, ne I needed cold water, you know, and, and all of that in, in, in Florida in, in, that, in that time. And then he said, but, but you know, uh, uh, I can't give it to you, but, you know, you have to pay for it. And right. I said, but just trust me, it's my first Ironman and I'm, I'm going to, to qualify for Hawaii, but I need a wetsuit from, from you. And then he was, he was kind enough to give a wetsuit. So I put on a completely new wetsuit that I had never worn before. And I, I, I ran towards the shore. It was a mass start back then. I, just when the gun went off, I, I managed to, to, to get into the, to the water. <laughs> and the swim was, was okay, I think. I did maybe one hour and a few minutes, probably around one hour, not sub, one right. hour for sure. Mm. So that was a, a good experience. And then I jumped on the, uh, on the bike and I knew that I was a little bit stronger than, uh, than my, my mentor mm. uh, on the bike, but he was uh, uh, much stronger in swimming back then. Right. So my, my target was to, to ride up to him and then basically, you know, trail him for the rest of the of the bike so at kilometer uh, 100 i caught him and then i just uh, stayed behind him and went in front of him we were riding together but of course with the with the uh, draft legal uh, distance correct 
And, and just one small anecdote, uh, I had put on a, uh, a new uh, triathlon racing suit, the two-part thing that you used to wear right. back then, you know, this, yeah. this kind of thing, uh, which I was very proud of, brand new, but it, it, it turned out that it was much too tight. <laughs> okay. So, so it, it prohibited the blood to flow to my legs. Wow. So what you I had, restricting it. Yes, yeah. yes, it was just pushing right here. Right. So what happened actually is I had to pull down my pants to be able to ride. So you could see my white behind, you know, when I was riding the bicycle. So another a rookie mistake. Right. But, but, you know, going forward again, coming into to, to the second transition, uh, in after five hours, quite exactly five hours, and I knew I'm going to, I'm going to, to, to do this really well. Right. Because I felt confident 3.30 I will run for, for sure right. on a marathon. <clears throat> and then my coach, or my, my mentor, mm. rather, he told me, Pablo, the first five kilometers you have to run with me. Mm. And after that you can go as fast as you want. Right. Which is a really, really good call. Otherwise I would have just raced yeah. out there. So I ran really, what felt really, really slowly together with him and just waiting for that five kilometer to come. And then five kilometer came. I looked at him and I said, okay, Pablo, now yeah. you go. Right. And then I went and, uh, and it was actually uh, felt like the, the easiest uh, Ironman that I ever done. Right. Maybe also because I paced it in a way intelligently. Uh, and I thought, you know, Ironman is actually not as, as, uh, as difficult as people say. And, uh, but uh, I, I learned to, to know the, the, the hard stuff of the Iron, Ironmans later on, including also the, the Hawaii uh, that uh, uh, then followed the next year. Nice. So uh, the time that you got there, uh, you said nine hours, 29 minutes? Uh, 25 or 24. Minutes. 24 minutes and change yeah got you a slot in hawaii yes and uh, you qualified for uh, world champion uh, hawaii's world championships of yeah. triathlon right in the very first uh, race correct so how did the journey go from there this was which year uh, this was in in 2006 i believe 2006 and and yeah 2006 right so how yeah. how did it progress from there like in in Hawaii, how did that go? And uh, later, well, on. I, you know, to be to be frank, I I, I never had had a good race in Hawaii, mm -hmm. I, and I, I've been there five times, right? And and the, the main problem is uh, the heat and the humidity, because the physiologically, I, I'm I'm I have to admit, and I've tried out everything. I'm not capable of uh, of of performing under such conditions. Mm. And the problem is uh, my sweat rate, uh, mainly. I sweat more than two liters per hour. Wow. Uh, so that makes it humanly impossible uh, uh, to perform. Because as you know, you cannot absorb more than one liter, which means that you will lose one liter of fluid, body fluid, um, every hour. Extra, yeah. And that becomes very dangerous, actually. So, right. um, so this I also had to experience at my, my first race. But I have to admit also that my first um, race in Hawaii, I, uh, I really screwed it up. You know, I, I, I went in there overly confident. I thought I, I would do top three in my age group at my first attempt. And, uh, and I went so hard on the bicycle that uh, uh, when I came to Harvey, which is the, the turning point, you know, uh, mid, mid the distance on the, on the bike, I had lost only five minutes i think on the best pro which was uh chris mccormack right. uh, back then and i was so wasted up there that i had no idea how i would i would get back to to the second transition when i came back to the second transition i was like you know you probably have to walk the entire marathon and I, that's more or less what i did mm -hmm. so i was around uh, around 10 hours i think uh, in in hawaii Right. Uh, which still was good, you know, considering yeah. everything, but, uh, but it was, that was a, a very, very tough experience. Right. Going from uh, thinking that, you know, Ironman is easy yeah. Yeah. after your first race to a humbling experience. It was a really humbling experience and I really understood what it is. Right. And, uh, and I think it was a good, it was a good, you know, beating that I got there to get down from your high horse and then and, and realize uh, what it takes. Right. To really perform. So you uh, you said you have been to Hawaii, uh, f you know, f 
five five times in total yes. right you know till now what was your best racing experience uh, you know best ironman distance race uh, including the kona yeah i, I had a few i, I have to, to to admit i never really um managed to figure it out completely mm-hmm. maybe it's impossible you know because it will always throw curveballs curve at balls, you yeah but I had a few quite solid races, I would say. I had a good race in uh, in Barcelona, for instance, in 2017, mm-hmm. I think, where I, I, I clocked 8 hours and 50 minutes. That was a pretty, pretty solid race. And I also uh, came second in the elite category in the Finnish uh, championships in the long distance racing a few years earlier, where I did... Uh, 855, just three weeks after winning uh, Ironman Zurich. Uh, so those were a few races that, that went really well. But the, the, the fascinating thing, to me at least, uh, in long distance racing, is that, uh, that it will never go according to plan. Right. right? There will always be some, some expected that, that happens to you. And therefore you have to be mentally truly prepared to deal with those challenges that, that pop up. You know, and typically, at least in my case, um, what's inevitable is that uh, one body function after another will start to, to, go, for to, to, to go for a toss. Yeah. And that's when the mental game starts. So what, what I, I like to say is and that I believe there is some truth to it, at least that, that's the way I feel it, that the long distance Ironman racing gives you the unique opportunity to look straight into the eyes of the person who you really are, you know, so it's a true moment of truth. That's very and, powerful. Yeah. So when you go into a race, you know, you feel strong, like a, like a King Kong. And then the further the race progresses, the smaller you become. And in the end, you're just a small midget that is scrambling for help. And that's when you have to take mental control and bring that negative dialogue that that will happen to a positive one to actually bring you to the to the finishing line. Right. So that mental dialogue with yourself, uh, it is it is also something that you have to practice, I yes. think, right? Yes. Because you can train yourself physically, mm-hmm. you know, however hard you want. But if you are, you know, almost not as strong mm-hmm. mentally, it will uh, probably not get you to the finish line, uh, you know, as many times. You're 100% right. And, and yesterday somebody asked me, you know, if I have an advantage being an older athlete because I have been able to develop that mental strength. And, and my answer is, is that I don't think it works really like that. It's not age related. Mm. But what is true, as you alluded to, is that, that you have to develop that mental strength and you have to train it continuously. Because it's like a muscle somehow, you know, if you don't train it, you will lose it. Right. And, and you also, your form from day to day might vary. Someday you are just, you have a good day and you are mentally strong. Another day you are not, you know, at that 100% of it. But you can bring up that, that, that mental performance level by uh, preparing some things. And, and one very easy trick that I'm, I'm doing is, is I'm, I'm writing mental cards which answer the question why. Mm-hmm. Because at one point in time, also yesterday, uh, that happened. Uh, the question comes, why am I doing this? Right. And if you are in a, in a, in a bad shape and your, your glycogen levels are down in the cellar, right. you will have difficulties in answering that why. But you have prepared those mental cards, which are like in the virtual back pocket, so I can take out that card and I said, this is why. You know, all questions answered and, and, and then, you, then, you, then you go. Right. There are a couple of things kind of uh, strike me there. Uh, it is... You know, although you, you know, as an older athlete, you might have the benefit of, you know, experience, experiencing those lows and highs Mm -hmm. many times, and you might be able to pull them out. Mm -hmm. You, it will also, uh, you know, a practice that you need to keep on, uh, you know, doing. Like, uh, you you cannot, uh, when it comes to physical form, Mm -hmm. you cannot bank on something that you have done Mm -hmm. last year. Mm -hmm. You still have to continue training so that you are able to, you know, do well this year as well. 
So it it is something similar, uh, it, it, and it comes to yeah. mental performance as well. Absolutely, right? and yeah. th- there are are some tricks that I I used to do it more consistently. Nowadays, I've become a little bit old and complacent in a way. Maybe it's not also not uh, always that negative, but nevertheless, uh, discipline is very important. And what I what I used to do a lot, and I still try to do today, is to if I have a training uh, with a goal. And and my body is is, uh, is performing towards that goal in that training. I'm really trying to uh, to complete that training as planned, right? So this means in very pra- practical lesson. If, if I say I go and run a 21 kilometer run, and then I do a route, and then I come come back to my home at 20 kilometers, it would be easy to say, okay, I have done 20 kilometers, great run. Now I go home and uh, have a milkshake. But I said, no, you said 21 kilometers, so you go the full 21 kilometers. Or if you do the track training, you don't slow down before you actually cross the line on the track after 400 meters. You know, so you always go the whole way through until you have deserved right. to stop. And that just builds that sharpening, that, that mental edge. Because also then in the competition, you know, you don't start to... Yeah, to, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you just really uh, pull it through. Right, right. Uh, with the best of your abilities on that yeah, day. That is that is very important trick. Uh, I, I think, like you said, you won't get suddenly stronger on the race day. No, <laughs> right? it, it, it's not like like yeah. uh, magic just just happens. And there is a saying that that uh, you know there is actually no no thing as as, as magic. Right, magic is uh, is. Uh, result of, uh, of, of very consistent hard work. Right. So you, you make magic happen actually. So through so your that, hard yeah, work. Through your hard work. Yeah. Right. Another thing I wanted to kind of touch upon is what is your why you that you you know that helps you you know pull it out and keep going through the tough times. Yeah. So <clears throat> well I, I'll very practically I, I'll I'll reveal my why card yesterday. Mm-hmm. that I had during the race, because I anticipated, given the, the heat and humidity, that it would be, become be, very, very hard, come very, very hard on the, uh, on the race day, so, and on the, on the run. So my Y card was actually all of my friends uh, that were supporting me, uh, especially my friends from Goa, and it's a fantastic community here. You know, so many people who came out to the race course uh, to support me, of course, also other athletes, but the energy that I got from them, the enthusiasm, was just uh, uh, heartwarming. So I told myself, you know, whatever happens, you bring it to the finishing line because you don't want to disappoint all of these people who, who show up. Even if you have to walk, then, then you walk, but, but you, don't, you don't give up you know, right. just because things become really tough. So that was my main main. Y card, and I only needed that card, you know, to keep on going. And it, it, it became very, very difficult on the run already after four kilometers. Right, we'll get to that experience. But uh, since you brought up your, uh, you know, Goa family, Goa friends uh, into this conversation, I want to talk about, uh, you know, that phase of your life as well. Uh, when when was the first time you you know came to India and you know the uh, you've been uh, in Goa you spent many years in Goa right yes uh, yes I had never lived in Goa mm-hmm. uh, really I came to to India the first time in early two thousand and nine okay in in February mm-hmm. and uh, and already during that spring I. I had the privilege to the first time come to Goa, and as, as I was into triathlon back then, I then looked into Facebook to see, you know, if there is anything in endurance related here in Goa, and I I figured out that that there is quite a strong bicycle community, and most of the guys do like those ultra long uh, uh, rides, yeah. rides, and then I I on on Facebook I, I found a few people who seemed to me to be a sort of leaders of this community, and one was uh, Terence, yeah, uh, yeah, who sort of was the legend, uh, still is here in uh, in Goa. So I connected with him and asked, you know, would it be possible for me to to join you on one of the rides? And and uh, and he was kind enough to 
to welcome me with, uh, with open arms. And uh, the first ride we did was a truly exciting one. He said, you know, we will meet at the Kala Academy and uh, then we'll ride to one of the beaches at the, at the south, like 90 kilometers ride, I think. We will stay overnight there, sleep in a shack, and then we will ride back the next day. Nice. So, uh, so that's how it all started. And that's how I, I learned to know all, all these wonderful uh, people uh, in Goa. And it, it's, it's been a, a really an amazing experience because how often you know, are you welcomed that quickly and that naturally uh, anywhere? So uh, yesterday for me was a little bit the celebration of, uh, all, of all of that as well. And I'm deeply thankful that, that I have been right. adopted basically by the Goan sports community as, as, as one of their own. Right. The, you know, sport has this uh, you know, nature of bringing uh, people together like none other, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what race, what, uh, you know, economic stature yeah. and all that. Yeah. When you are on a bike, you are together. And uh, I think that it has a, a unique uh, ability to bring people together that way. So since, the, since 2009, you have been uh, coming uh, and staying here for a few days and months uh, at, a, at a time or how, how is No, I, I typically, mm. you know, as, as I, I have my, my or our business in, mm. uh, uh, with the headquarter in, uh, in Mumbai right. and, and I'm, I'm a little bit more like a, a country guy, you know, and, and Mumbai is of course a big buzzing city with a lot of noise, a lot of people. So I, I also have, you know, enjoyed uh, the privilege to, to come during the weekends to India, typically maybe for three days or so. Sometimes I've been working a couple of days uh, from here uh, to be able to, to enjoy the, the calm and the peace and, and, uh, and also the, the bike rides with all of my, my, my friends. So it's been more, more like that. Uh, okay. uh, so weekends or extended weekends, but you can experience a lot during a weekend, you know, when you do things like that together. Right. So I think it's, uh, it's been a true gift. Um, for me. Nice, because I, I always was under the impression that you actually lived here for years mm -hmm. because I've noticed so much love mm -hmm. uh, and reverence when mm -hmm. your name comes up mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. any, you know, speaking to any of the triathletes, any of the cyclists here and almost, uh, you know, around the country. Yeah. So I always was under the impression that you were, you know, living in Goa for extended periods of time. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's really, it's really amazing. And I do think it, it's like, uh, it's maybe a little bit like philosophical, but, but, you know, these things are like a boomerang, right? You know, so, so with, with all of the love that I, I received from, from the, the, the leaders of this community, from the outset, you know, it makes it very, very natural to, to embrace and, and, and give the same kind of energy back and it starts to, to spiral. Right. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, if you have an open heart uh, like that, and uh, it's so easy to, to, to create truly energetic relationships. And I think that's, that's partly what, uh, uh, what you see. Right. And the other thing that, that, that I, I, I really enjoy in the, in the Indian culture, and I know that many people would not completely uh, agree with me, but the, especially, I mean, what I can talk about it is the sports community, right? And I feel that that in, in the Indian sports community, most people uh, are genuinely happy about the sportive success of their peers. And you celebrate that, you know, liberally, even if it's not a huge success, I mean, you know, right. but, but, but you, you give that energy and you give that support, you give that love. Uh, and in many other cultures, including my own, uh, it doesn't always happen that naturally. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit like, okay, it's great that you won, but actually I, I, I think, I think, think I would have deserved that. Right. And you, you hardly have that here, which I think is very refreshing and, uh, and, uh, um, something I just, just love, love to see. I think that's a very good trait of the, of the Indian culture, nice. you know, the way how we support each other. Right, right. So you have, uh, you have always taken part in uh, any uh, triathlon events and uh, uh, races that uh, 
have taken place uh, in Goa, I, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. right? And uh, w- what was your first race here? Uh, the first race was maybe in 2012 or so. It was the first edition of uh, Goa Triathlon. The, uh, uh, organized by by Enduro uh, Sports, Enduro uh, Elias Patel and and uh, and and his team and his lovely wife uh, uh, Michelle, uh, and uh, and that was very interesting and exotic because nobody knew anything about triathlon back then. Right. You know, so when I when I went there the first time, uh, I was searching for the or looking for the transition zone. So I, I asked one of the helpers. Uh, where is the transition zone? And then they say, "Sir, it's here." I looked around and say, "Okay." And um, and uh, where should I uh, put my bike? And they said, "You can put it anywhere." And then I said, "Okay." And then they looked at my bike and say, "Yep, yeah, but sir, you don't have a side uh, stand. Or how do you call it?" You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I said, "Yeah, this is sort of a bicycle that doesn't have that." And then they said, "You can take that palm tree and just <laughs> lean it over there." So that's how it started. Right. But but you could already see in the in the second edition, especially the third one, how extremely steep that learning curve was. Right. So it started like having seen a movie on uh, YouTube, but triathlonist organizing an event, to really mastering it and bringing it to a level that I would say uh, after three four years was at an international level. So fantastic uh, job done by the team, and I think they did five editions of. Mm. of the Olympic distance race, and then they had one edition of a of a seventy point three distance uh, right. race that they organized as well. Right. You you saw that growth. Yes. Uh, from from the organization perspective, or also from the participant from perspective. From the participant perspective. Yeah. yeah. So how did the participant side of things, uh, you know, in your view, changed in those five years, especially? Well, on one side, you you, you saw, of course, an evolution in terms of. Uh, of numbers of participants, so in the very beginning it was you know a few hundreds, and and then in the end it was probably around a thousand, and then of course you could also see the the strong, very strong development of the level of the athletes. So I was was you know fortunate enough. I was fortunate is probably the right word to win all of those races, but twice it was uh, extremely close. And uh, and uh, the most interesting element happened when when uh, when the Indian military started to send the their uh, the, the, yeah. yeah their their front runners to the race right. and and there was an, a dynamic that the way I perceived it which was 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 very interesting and you will probably understand this and this was to, to me uh, you know my. My biggest hope was was always that that some young talented athletes would come and and win the race, right? But but as as you probably know me, I would never hand out anything for free, right? You Absolutely. have to you have to earn it, right? Right. So 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 my ambition is to show up in my best possible shape to make it as hard as possible, and then I will bow in front of you when you when you if win. You, that yeah. that's the way how I imagine it to happen. Right. And now we 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 as you know we have the. Uh, the, the Indian Army uh, from Pune, I think, they right. have uh, have this this squad with all with athlete, athletes that have become dear friends nowadays. And the, and, the, and in the very beginning, this might be, have been in 2015. Uh, I think the you know the the, the coaches of these athletes uh, in the military had formulated as one of the goals to beat me, because they thought it was was yeah. somehow uh, not. Okay, that a foreigner comes and, and, and wins this race, right. and uh, and and he called uh, the race organizer Elias and said, you know, I will send my best five athletes. I can guarantee you that position one, two, and three will all be won by by my athletes. So fast forward, I wasn't informed by that, uh, and I was there on the race morning uh, at the beach, and then I saw some really fast swimmers in the water. And I said, okay, something is going on here. You typically don't see you know, right. fast swimmers like that. And then uh, one, of the, one of the young guys <coughs> made a mistake that, that he came up to me and said, are, are you Pablo? And I said, yes. And then he told me, we are here to beat you. 
<laughs> and I say, okay. And then, then he said, uh, do you want to come have a swim with, with us? Uh-huh. I said, okay, let's swim together. And then I you know, went swimming and they, then, of course, they tried to destroy me already in the practice before. They, so they were much faster than me. And that was a mistake because they underestimated my experience and they gave me all the information. Right. Right. To, to, to create my tactics for the next day. So, so uh, can I spend two more minutes yeah, explaining yeah, yeah. the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go it's ahead. a little bit long story. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. We so, have all the time. <laughs> so, 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 okay. So, then of course, I, I, I checked the, the participant list and I googled all their times and so on and saw who is fast running and, and, and all of that. Running was the only thing I was concerned about. And, and then um, I had all of that information. And then on, uh, on race morning, uh, three of the guys just, just went out much faster than me. Two were a little bit slower, so I could swim with them. And then they make a tactical error uh, in, the, in the swim because they, the sun was in, shining in the eyes, so they, they took slightly the wrong uh, uh, angle mm-hmm. in the swim. So I was able to, to catch up, you know, the 50 meters that I was behind. So we came up to the beach at the same time. And what did I do? I let the five guys in, in front of me run uh, on the beach and I looked at the leg speed and then I knew which of the guys were the ones who were, were faster. And then I, I had formulated the tactics for myself uh, that uh, I would attack the first hill. There was a very steep hill going, going, going up and leave them behind. And, and the problem was, was it, it was a draft legal race, but I, oh, okay. I, I, I told myself I have to have three to four minutes lead to be able to win this race. So I think just attack on the bike, get that at three minutes lead. And, and I said, attack on the hill and they will not be able to match your power because these are young guys with, you know. Yeah, shorter uh, maybe. Y- young, you know, you know uh, young legs. Young legs, yeah. So I, I attacked with uh, 450 watts the entire uh, uh, hill. hill. And then I looked, looked at the back and they were all at my back wheel. Wow. And what I have forgotten is these guys are around 60 kilos heavy and I'm 75. So you cannot drop them on the, on on the, the hill. Yeah. And then I just continued to push 350 watts. But as it is a draft legal race, they were all behind me. Right. Now up there you have speed bumps, right? right? And I knew the speed bumps exactly. So what I did was, and this a little bit rude, but it was my only chance, right? So I was riding towards the speed bumps with full, full speed, all of the guys exactly behind me. And just like two meters before the speed bump, I took to the left because there was this small strip and all the guys went into the speed bumps. Right. And uh, nothing happened to them, of course, but like that, I had a 40 meters lead. Right. And then I pushed and then they were not able to bridge the gap, although they were working together. Right. So in the end, I had a lead of, uh, of four minutes in oh. T2 and I was able to, uh, to protect that and win the race. Awesome. And when we, we crossed the finishing line, that was a, a true moment of celebration where we hugged each other, you know, and, and I sh- showed my, my genuine respect for, for what they have done. Right. And, uh, and we became uh, deep friends. The, the coach was not as happy for some reason, you know, <laughs> the older generation, but amongst us athletes, uh, that was the beginning of a great uh, friendship. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that was a great mm-hmm. story, you know, and uh, fast forward to 2019. Right. Yes. Your uh, the first edition yeah. of uh, Goa seventy point three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how you know these were the races where it was like you know they began to un- uh, observe you, understand you, and wanted to see someone other than a foreigner Correct. take the place. And uh, you know, fast forward to two thousand nineteen, a world uh, world class brand Ironman yeah. has come to India. Yeah. And. Uh, how was that experience uh, in that race for you? Yeah, so, so first of all, I, I, I truly think it's great that, uh, that, that Deepak Raj and his team brought Ironman to, to India. Yeah. Because Ironman is, is, uh, is known to really bring us a standard good quality uh, event organization and race to a country. And, um, and that's very helpful, of course, because until then, I would say that the only really well-organized triathlon in India was the one that was organized here in Goa. Right. And now Ironman came to set, set a clear benchmark and that's, that's great for all the other event organizers to learn from and also to you know, create uh, uh, a motivation for, for many athletes who are somehow attached to the Ironman brand. So like, that's a part of creating that movement, right? right. to bring that level up. 
And uh, the first race for myself was actually quite similar to, to the race yesterday. I had a solid lead uh, after, the, after the bike and, and thought I would be able to pull it off, but, but uh, struggled in the heat and the humidity as I, I did yesterday as well. And therefore, was overtaken by, by four athletes, mm -hmm. I think. And that was, in a way, it was a full circle, right? right. Because, because that was, you know, uh, also what from, you for wanted. me, yeah, what, what I wanted. And, 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 and the winner was, was the, the, the guy who was second back then, you know, at, right. at that event that I, that I, um, uh, I spoke about. So, so I was really, really happy about it. Was it uh, Bissoji? Yes. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. 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 So that that is uh, you know, um, like you said, you, it has to be earned. Yes. Right? And yeah. you are not going to uh, you know hand it over easily, yeah. which yeah. Is, which was evident in the way that you uh, you know understood their strengths and weaknesses mm -hmm. and used that mm -hmm. for you know to gain advantage. Exactly. So. Let us talk about uh, you know yesterday's uh, mm. race itself for the um, second edition of uh, Goa Ironman 70.3. Uh, when you came in, uh, what was your strategy to mm. you know? Uh, obviously, you wanted to win. Uh, I would think, knowing you, uh, so what was your strategy coming in, and how did uh, that better out? Yeah, so. So yes, you, you are right. I mean, if I would say no, then I would not be completely honest. Right. Uh, I, I knew that, that I would have a small chance to win. Mm. I told myself probably 15% chance to, to win. Right. If I really play it right, and maybe 50% chance to be top three overall. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and of course, given my, my strength profile, I also knew that I would need between five to eight minutes of a lead off the bike, followed by not a fast but a solid half marathon run uh, to pull it off. Right. Uh, and but what I also knew is that that a certain level of acclimatization would be necessary for me to to run after a uh, a hard bike. So I tried to do some some heat running in the weekend before, but of course one week is a little bit of a of a short short time to for acclimatization. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I still feel, felt confident, you know, that 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 strategy would work out. Mm -hmm. uh, but you you know how it is. I think Mike Tyson once said that everybody has a strategy until they get punched in the face. <laughs> so, so that's a little bit what happened uh, to me yesterday on the on the run. So the swim was was uh, was very pleasant. Uh -huh. You know, uh, completely relaxed. I didn't really push, but it uh, you know that what was that was I really enjoyed it. Just fantastic out there in the water. And then uh, on the bike, I did my thing and I, I push, pushed sort of the, the wattage that I, I usually do on a 70.3 uh, race and, uh, and at each turning point, a lot of turning points, right? I was right. just clocking and I was seeing this is going well. Right. I will have a lead over 10 minutes mm -hmm. uh, at the T2. So it created quite a lot of confidence and I tried not to go over the top. So I don't didn't feel like like my my legs were exploding or anything, but, right. but pretty much in a, in a steady state. Mm. And uh, and then, but then when I when I jumped off the bike, I realized oh, my body is really hot. Mm. And you don't always realize that on the bike because of the wind and everything. But off the bike, I was like, oh my my lower back is hurting and my legs feel really stiff and I'm really really hot. So I wonder how this is going to to pin out. But I. I set out with the, with the, with the pace that I, I had um, uh, planned for myself. I wanted to do it steady at, at, uh, at 420 per kilometer. And, uh, and I kept that maybe for the first three kilometers and then all my wheels fell off. And that was probably, you know, the, the, the tipping point where the heat just right. went, went too high. My, my core temperature Correct. and my heart rate just spiked. And after that, it was just survival mode. Mm -hmm. Which basically means you know, taking long breaks at the aid stations, trying to cool down to be able to somehow run to the next aid station. And uh, with absolutely, you know, left with, with 
without any possibilities to accelerate or to push myself. So it is just like, like bring it home step by step, you know, and uh, embrace the crowd right. and enjoy also, although it's painful, but you, mm. can, you can enjoy it while it's painful because you feel all of the energy right. uh, from the audience. So that, that's what I, I did. And, uh, and of course, celebrating each and single athlete that overtook me. Right. So I know them all, right? right? And I was really happy for them. And they gave me also a lot of compliments while right. they were overtaking me. So that was also a beautiful experience in that right, sense. Right, right. You know, it is uh, with your kind of experience, uh, with those many races under your belt, like you also told uh, you know, right at the start, you never really, you know, feel like you figure it out, mm-hmm. figured it out, right? Mm-hmm. It can go wrong at any moment. Yeah, uh, you know you can be uh, like <laughs> the quote uh, is very uh, aptly. You have all the strategies in the world. Mm-hmm. Everyone will have a strategy mm-hmm. until you. So these events tend to uh, you know have a knack of punching you in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know mm-hmm. more often than not. But uh, I know I uh, on on the bike I could see that you were really really doing well. You know we were uh, standing on mm-hmm. the hill cheering for you and all you you i thought you were the smoothest mm-hmm. uh, on the bike uh, i i we were seeing the air force guys and the, the services guys were also smooth but you had like more than 8 minutes of uh, lead going into the last lap mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, i could see okay pablo is doing it mm-hmm. and uh, we were really excited when we ran to the run course and we by the time we got there it was like the second lap uh, mm-hmm. of the run course and uh, on the hill I, we could already see that oh pablo is struggling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. it was not a familiar sight yeah. uh, for uh, yeah. you know most of us yeah. like oh okay but still you had like 3 minutes lead on uh, nihal who mm-hmm. was uh, fast approaching mm-hmm. and uh, by the time you took the u turn uh, uh, from the time and we timed uh, nihal again mm-hmm. from you and that Three minutes became two and a half minutes, mm-hmm. and you still had another lap after mm-hmm. completing it. Mm-hmm. And that's when we kind of understood: okay, this is not probably Pablo's day today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but it was like you said: the energy was so mm-hmm. infectious. Mm-hmm. It was great to be there watching mm-hmm. all of you guys putting mm-hmm. your best. It was so inspiring. Russell, uh, my uh, uh, teammate and, you know, the Equipegova uh, teammate. Uh, so he's 70 plus years old He was, and he rides, only only rides, but he's like, man, this is so inspiring to see these people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. how do they do it? They are after swim and the bike and then the run mm-hmm. in this heat. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I think I might want to do this, you know. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, fa- that's fantastic. You right. know that it, it, yeah, that's it, ki- that's the kind of inspiration people find. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the uh, in the efforts that you guys uh, were putting yeah. out there. Yeah. yeah, and I have to say also, you know, sometimes <clears throat> nowadays I, I'm I'm not participating, but I'm I'm there in the in the role uh, of a supporter of my wife, mm-hmm. who is a far. Right. Much more talented athletes compared to myself. And I enjoy that role as well. I think it's really <clears throat> exciting right. to watch a race like that when you right. know what it means, you know, and, 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 uh, and you know the athletes out there on the course. And coming back to the, to the point that I was suffering, <clears throat> I definitely was, but I think everybody was. Yeah, everybody it, was. it was in that heat and that humidity. For, for some, it's more natural and easier, but it's still not easy. It is. You not. know, uh, also Nihal was, was uh, also yeah. suffering and he expected to run much faster, but, but uh, yeah. uh, so it's difficult for, 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 for every, everyone. everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the conditions were brutal uh, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and there was no shade. No, no he was shade. running in the middle of the, with, with the exception of that turning point up there. It, it was right. pleasant; you could feel the difference. Right. But the long stretch was just in the middle of the road, and you had the sun on your right on your head. No way to escape. Uh, to escape. You know? Correct, correct. Yeah, at least on the bike, you would have the ventilation. Yeah. You know, the benefit yeah. of the moving wind, not so much on the run because you are going at a much slower pace. Yeah. Right? And and maybe there is one one element that I would like you know. Um, to share also, mm-hmm. uh, because I think that's also important. Uh, in terms of suffering and pain, right. uh, it's important that you, you formulate 
a genuine strategy for yourself how you deal with it, mm. right? Because in, it's uh, inevitable that it will will come. And and I used to, when I was younger, I used to 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 compete with some fear in my heart, to say like I, I hope that the fear is not that the that the the struggle is not coming, that the pain is not coming, that the suffering is not coming. So I was run, running on fear. You know, to say, now I have done 10 kilometers out of 42, I hope it will not come before 21, you know, so that it doesn't become that hard. And, and that's not a good energy mm. to run on fear. So I, I actually, after reading, reading the, the book of, uh, uh, of Chris McCormack, uh, uh, I think, is it In It to Win It or something like right. that? I'm, I'm here to win. That's I'm the title of it. Uh -huh. uh, I learned from that, that that you need to, what he said, embrace the pain. Mm. So this, of course, doesn't mean that, that the pain is, is somehow your, your, your best friend, but it's, it's a part of the experience. It's a part of the race. Right. So the attitude that I take now when I race is when the pain is coming and the suffering is coming and things are starting to fall apart, I don't get shocked and say, oh no, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the beginning of the end. But I say, okay, this is the moment. And this is the moment of truth. This is the moment that I have prepared for. Right. You know, this, all of my trainings and the psychological things have been, had, have been uh, prepared to deal exactly with this moment. Right. So then it becomes, so to say, a little bit exciting mm -hmm. that it's there, you know, right. uh, and you say, so now, I, now it's really the moment where I have to give my best to deal with this, this challenge and, and this suffering and this pain in the best possible way. Right. And the better I do it right now, the better the result will be afterwards and the more satisfied I will be with my performance as well. Right. And with that, it's a small change in mind, but with that you, you deal much better with it. And, uh, and, and then it becomes a, a constructive struggle. So right. From you know expecting pain and being fear, fearful of it, it is that almost knowing that it will come mm -hmm. and being like aware of uh, that and almost treating it as a friend, you know, and yes. welcoming it and saying, yeah. "Yeah, I have prepared for uh, yes. you know your arrival. Yes, let us be, let <laughs> us see. Right? Yes, let's go with it. Let's yeah. go with it. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. So." Um, coming, uh, I've noticed that uh, you had uh, like um, surgery something uh, mm -hmm. uh, last year, was yes. it? Yes. So what was that and uh, how did you come, uh, come back from it? Yeah, that, that's, that's a, <clears throat> it's good that you asked that because that was, you know, sort of like a depressing situation for me, you know, if you understand how important the sport is that has given Right. Most of the things that are valuable in my life, uh, also through the sports, I, I, I learned to know my, my wonderful wife, you know, and, and so yeah. uh, without that, no chance that she would have been interested in me. <laughs> uh, so, so anyhow, you know, then all of a sudden not being able to, um, to do what you love to do, of course, is, uh, is, is uh, heartbreaking in a sense. So what happened was I had a <clears throat> small accident while while playing with my baby girl Ella, who is now becoming three on the 16th of December, and and I I, uh, I destroyed my uh, meniscus, and okay. uh, then the <clears throat> doctors looked at it and, and they said, well, in your at your age we will normally remove the meniscus, but given your sports ambitions and everything, we will try to stitch it together, mm -hmm. but no guarantee it will work. Right, and um, and then. Ten months, so for six months I was not uh, allowed to, to do any kind of training uh, with the legs. Uh, and then I started to train again and actually I, I started to compete quite early and, and performed really well, surprisingly. So, right. so maybe, you know, that the, the, when you have done all of that, the learning curve becomes quite, quite steep, uh, the progression curve. Uh, but then in December my, my knee started to, uh, to become really swollen. Right. Uh, with, with any exercise, actually, that I did with the legs. So I, I did another check, and then they told told me, yeah, it, the 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 knee is just too too destroyed. Uh, they would recommend that I, I stop running. 
Wow. And just do bicycle riding and, and swimming. And definitely uh, not uh, aim to, 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 do, mm. to, to compete in triathlons anymore. Right. And then my, my response to the uh, physician, who I respect immensely, was that I completely accept the, um, the diagnosis, mm -hmm. but I don't accept the conclusion. Mm. Right? So I said, okay, uh, obviously the structures are destroyed, but the, the body is also a very uh, intelligent organism, so to say. So you will find ways to, to overcompensate for the deficits in many cases. Right. Uh, so, what I thought is, okay, so the, the main problem seems to be running. Mm -hmm. So, what I will do is I will only run on a treadmill mm -hmm. and I will only, in the beginning, only run slow and I will only run uphill. Okay. So, that's how I started to, to, to get back to running and I realized... <coughs> what the, the, was the logic behind that decision? Because, because the, the, then the impact on the, on the, on the knee is, is minimized. Okay. And also run with, the, with shoes that have a soft uh, front part. Okay. Of it. And, and like that, <coughs> trial and error, <coughs> sorry, I, I figured out a, a way how, to, how I could train without the knee starting to, to, to swell up anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's an indication that, that you are on the safe side of training. Right. And then I gradually increased the speed and, and, uh, and, and went from like 10 kilometers an hour to 15 kilometers an hour with, 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 uh, with, uh, um, uh, with the intervals. And when the and and even today I basically only do the, the hard running outside when it's a competition. Mm -hmm. But that actually worked. I, I was clocking the same times of ten kilometers uh, on the street uh, or in Olympic distance race as I did five years ago. Wow. Only a bit, a bit training on the on the treadmill. Now I don't have any complications with the knee mm -hmm. anymore. Right. And having said that, it wouldn't make sense for me to 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 run on a hard surface outside on a regular basis because right. then definitely the knee would start to swell again. Right. But I could solve that problem. Mm. And, and I had a great season now where I was in my age, age group uh, uh, able to win every single race. Uh, uh, this year, after a diagnosis like that in December wow. where they said you are not able to compete anymore. Amazing. So, so I'm, I haven't proven the the doctor is wrong, I think. I have just you figured out base. my way to mm. intelligently, intelligently uh, adapt my training to ac accommodate for the uh, shortcomings or uh, deficiencies that I, I right. have in my body. Right, right, right. So uh, even now, you, uh, for your run training, it is mostly indoors. And, yes. And only for the races, you kind of yeah. tend to do it. Out. And I do also 80% of my bicycle training, I do on the turbo trainer. Okay. Yeah. Is that it, to save time? Or? It's yeah, it's to save time mm -hmm. because I don't want to invest that much time in training. I train between seven to ten hours a week in the in the season now mm -hmm. to have more time for for the family, right? With uh, with the young the girl young that girl. we're having yeah. our daughter, mm -hmm. and also to of course uh, to have more time uh, to work, right? And also I also had some other private projects like building a house for the family and so on, which consumed quite a lot of time, right? Uh, and so I, I want to keep it uh, efficient yeah. and, uh, and take the most out of every minute that I'm training. And for that, of course, riding on a stationary bike, uh, running on a treadmill, mm. where you have no dead time uh, whatsoever is, is a very right. efficient way to, to do it. True. So the 7 to 10 hours you're talking about is combined with all three sports or how is that? Yes, it's combined. Okay. Okay. So I do about four hours during the working week, mm -hmm. so Monday to Friday, mm -hmm. and six hours on the, on the weekend. weekend. So the only longer stuff, I typically on the weekend I want to do one longer run mm -hmm. on the treadmill again, mm. 90 minutes plus, right. and one slightly longer bike ride of maybe three hours. Right. right. And during the week I, I typically do uh, one hour of training late in the evening. Mm -hmm. When my wife and and uh, and daughter are already at sleep, I, right. I have my time for yeah yeah for some yeah. some training units. Super super. So, you know, with the, all that, the way you are managing with uh, you know having a family, young family, uh, you know, running your own company and uh, uh, performing athletically at a very high level. Uh, how do you? Uh, I mean, what are the some of the advices that you give uh, working athletes uh, who are listening to the podcast? So, <clears throat> I would say the, 
there are a few. I think the, the, the first one is really that, that passion is the strongest source of energy. Because mm -hmm. you would need a lot of energy right. in order to, to you know, continuously push your way forward. So, so develop that, that, that passion. And the advantage of that is, is it's, it's also that the passion is, is radiating. So you create a community uh, right. around yourself. So it, the energy is very important. Then another element which I, I think is important is that, that you, you set clear targets and goals for yourself, something that is personally very motivating for you, that mm -hmm. also gives a lot of energy because you can look, look forward to it. Right. And then very, the very practical elements of somehow matching all of these, uh, of, of these things. Uh, I think in terms of the goal setting in general in life, it, it's important that you have, have goals for all of the areas which are important to you. Mm. and that you try to balance them as well as possible. And at, at the top of the pyramid for most people, I think, should be the family right. and, the, and the friends. I mean, that's in the end everything that is, is, is really important. And then you have your work and then you have your passion, which in, in this case would be triathlon or endurance sports. Right. And, and then you find a good, good balance be, be, between, between these. And, and the consequence, of course, is you will always have to do compromises. Mm -hmm. And typically the compromises that I do are on the cost of, uh, of sports because that's my, in a, in a way, my ego goal, right? right? I'm doing it for myself and, uh, and, and, uh, and if the family requires more time or if the business has a critical period that requires more time, that has higher priority than, than my sports. And, and, and it's important, and this is an advice, of course, don't get stressed about it. You know, we are not pro athletes. We are doing it for fun. Right. So if you have two weeks when you cannot train, so be it. And then you start again and do the best out of it. It's not the end of life. Some people tend to take it, you know, in a very stressful way. <clears throat> and then, then of course, in order to, to get as much out of your 24 hours uh, per day, you, you have to, 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 to be a little bit innovative in your thinking, say, you know, how can you use some, some dead time that, that you are, are having? Can you bicycle to the office, for instance, and do some intervals uh, on, on the way to the, uh, to the office? Um, uh, can you do between telephone conferences? Can you have some weights, for instance, to, that, to do a little bit of weight training or, or core uh, training? And like that, you, <clears throat> you can quite easily find an hour every day where you can do something that, 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 that takes you forward. Right. And then also very importantly is, is to, to realize that, that you know, progress is, is just uh, thousands and thousands of incremental steps uh, uh, to, uh, towards improvement. So don't, don't go just because you have time, you know, don't just go from, from 30% to 100% because then the injury will be, be, be a very natural consequence, a logical consequence of, right. of that. So again, you know, gradually build it up. And, and, uh, and also as a, as a family person, you know, if you get the support of your wife and, and your children, uh, truly show your appreciation of it and give something back also, you know, to, to, to celebrate that with them and, 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 and appreciate the fact that they are, are supporting you because it, it's not, it's not uh, uh, that self for sure in a sense that the people are really behind you. Right. So show that appreciation. I think that's... That's also truly important. Right. So absolutely great points. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, thank you for uh, taking the time and uh, sharing your in experience and insights with the Working Athlete Podcast. Really appreciate it. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. That was my conversation with Pablo. I hope you enjoyed that. If you are enjoying these podcasts and are finding them useful, please consider supporting the podcast by subscribing to the channel on YouTube as well as on your favorite podcasting app. It really helps. Thanks again for your continuous support. See you next week with another guest.